2: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: So free agency has come and basically gone, and it was, um... Wasn't It wasn't great, let's be real. Like, it was a little underwhelming. All of the Dame news kind of dominated the trade deadline uh, or the free agency moratorium. We all remember 2019, don't we? The glory days. Seven All-Stars in 2019 changed teams via free agency. Many of them changed teams in the middle of Summer League. This year just one, a fringe all-star in Fred Van Fleet who got an egregious amount of money in Houston. Like I want everyone to get overpaid, but boy, oh boy is 40-something million dollars a year for Fred Van Fleet a lot of money. No less than eight teams had max or near max money to spend. Three others could have made up And gotten to a max money to spend by not re-signing their players. A full third of the league had max money available for free agents And you know what they did? They did absolutely nothing. Nothing. What's going on? Free agency is dead. Long live trade season. Long live tampering. That's what's going on. Uh, The Athletics' John Hallinger, who I really like a lot. He's brilliant. He wrote an equally brilliant article that summed up pretty much my thoughts on the death of free agency. He pointed out that everyone is pointing at the new CBA as a reason that there aren't flashy free agent moves like there once was. And in fact, though, it was the last CBA that we are reaping the terrible benefits from. That CBA loosened restrictions on expiring contracts and brought us into the era of the Supermax extension. And as a result, no one wants to leave because the extension's too big, which is why going back, I don't give a fuck, how they treat the Damian Lillard trade because if we have $290 million to pay over five years to Shaden, it'll probably be like $380 million by the time he's a free agent. You're like, well, it's either $380 or $120. I guess I'll stay. I guess I stay. So that was how that CBA works is that you get the Supermax extension only from the team that drafts you and they can't trade you for another full 12 months. And as a result, no superstars even reach free agency anymore. They say, well, you know what I'll do. I'll just sign the Supermax and then in a, in a year I'll ask out. Look at Dame, $60 million a year. Asks out, literally one year later. 2019 was the last gasp of the old free agent world. This season, the only teams to not adjust to the new reality were Houston, who signed Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks to big contracts, but listen, they're desperate, and Toronto. Uh, who bizarrely acts like losing free agency for nothing is like what they're supposed to do. That's like, well, oh, that's what it is, yeah. This is like we just don't trade them when they're on an expiring and then they leave for nothing. That's like, that's it. That's how it goes. Instead, though, we got teams like Indiana who used a ton of cap space to buy and purchase or tr- sign Bruce Brown, the bell of the ball. And everybody was like, why? Why is Bruce Brown getting over $20 million per year from the Indiana Pacers? But here's where it gets really interesting. Cap space rules in the new CBA is how we got to that signing. Got to give a little love to Chad Buchanan, GM for the Indiana Pacers. Very smart guy. Makes very shrewd moves. So he signs Bruce Brown on a two-year deal. But get this. Team option in the second year, baby which means that Bruce Brown is only on a one-year, which means he's on an expiring, which means what? He's a trade chip. He's a $20 million trade chip, which gets you either multiple pieces back or it gets you another valuable piece that you actually think is worth $20 million in return. Maybe you send him to a contender uh, at the deadline and thinks that Bruce Brown's the final piece for them to win a chip. Orlando did a similar thing with Joe Ingles. Very smart. Very enticing moves. They're basically just racking up and using their cap space to create a little war chest. Hollinger said it best. Cap space isn't cool anymore. The dream of an all-star free agent signing is impossible if none of them ever become free agents in the first place. As a result, teams will need to think a lot more strategically about what max-type cap room even means anymore and what options are truly viable for franchises in that position. Many of them got 50 cents on their cap room dollar this year, and with so few genuine stars hitting free agency, I'm not sure the ROI is even going to improve in coming seasons. I agree. That being said, this new free agency was kind of fun, nonetheless, because it's a lot more strategic. When you got guys signing Bruce Brown at $20 million, you're like, who are they targeting? Like, Who do you want that's getting paid $20 million? Do you want a traded player exception for next offseason? What are you up to? Because you're up to something. When it was just free agents getting paid max money and you knew that they wanted them and then they signed them, that's kind of boring. This is like Game of Thrones. That being said, I think that's going to make parody and strategy and brilliance even more paramount moving forward. Uh, so what I want to do is go over who I think made good moves, who I think made moves that I'm not so sure are good, but they were moves. Uh, and then strange moves that I think are pretty bad. I think they're pre- pretty bad moves, but I could be wrong. And then, like, can't judge your moves. Let's start with the good moves. We gave a little shine to them, the Indiana Pacers. They lead the list. I don't know how my guy Buck, Chad Buchanan, keeps flying under the radar, but what he's doing in Indiana is is really, really interesting. I'll do a full segment on the full ways that he's revamped this roster with just a few different trades in, in the draft, but Pacers won free agency and the draft in a huge way. For starters, they give Tyrese Halliburton the absolute bag, five years, fun max, $209 million. I think he deserves every cent. He might be the best passing point guard in the NBA. He is electric. He's the kind of superstar that you want to build your franchise around, a loyal one. Cough, cough, alert to Dame. Um, Love him for this team. Seems like he loves the Midwest. And I think you building around a true point guard who, even though his shot is a little funny to look at, is still pure, and he can make his teammates better, that's very rare these days. But the Pacers were not done. They signed Bruce Brown, two years, $45 million. I explained why they did this. Second year is a team option. This is super strategic. It's a hell of a payday for a guy who was just making six million, but they are up to something. Bruce Brown, as a as a whole, and also on top of that, the Pacers needed to sign someone for that amount because of the luck, because of the cap floor. Otherwise, then you end up losing money. Back to Bruce Brown, that he can shoot, he can rebound, he can pass. It's not uncommon for him to, for him to have nine rebounds and ten assists, or. 18 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. He can do a little bit of everything. He can play 1 through 5. He can defend 1 through 5. Legit. 6'4 guy, the guy that played small 5. That's what Brooklyn did with them. Played him in the playoffs as a small ball 5 or as a 4. Just one of the best Swiss Army knives in the league. I really like him. And then the Pacers go out and get another athletic guy. OB Toppin. OB Toppin. Ain't no stopping. Obi Toppin. So they end up getting him for two second round picks from the Knicks. By the way, Obi Toppin was a lottery player. He can hit threes. He's as athletic as hell. He's versatile on offense and on defense. And he never really got a real role in New York. We don't even know what he can do. We have no idea. And now he has a shot to be in the rotation in a major way. He gets to play alongside Miles turner in the front court which helps him a lot it helps his ability to get to the rim while also helping out Obi toppin's defensive deficiencies the pacers are going to be a problem the pacers will be this year's sacramento kings i'm not saying they're going to be the third team in the east so pump your brakes but i think they're a playoff team i think in the first round they make things difficult for whoever they play and they're fun and they're young and they're building something real. And next year they're going to even have more cap space. So maybe they'll sign some other role player for two years and $45 million. Um, I think the draft picks with Shepard, Jarris Walker, on top of Ben Matherin and Andrew Nemhard from last year is going to be a fun ass watch. This team's super young. Halleck's 23, Matherin's 21, Nemhard 23, Toppin 25, Jarris Walker 19. Jordan Awara 24, Aaron Nismith 23, Jalen Smith 23, Isaiah Jackson 21. I mean, they only have a couple of guys with any age on the roster, and they're just kind of chilling. TJ McConnell, Buddy Heald, and Daniel Thice. We know that what they are. They're don't worry about them. They're going to be gone at some point soon. <laughs> I need mean, to think about just just trade pieces, trade pieces. Um, kind of expensive ones too. You package Daniel Thice, TJ McConnell, and Bruce Brown, and all of a sudden you got yourself 40 million Anyway, let's move forward with Sacramento. I think they had one of the best free agent seasons as well. I know that a lot of fans that are very sad that this team did not get Kyle Kuzma. Do not trip. Harrison Barnes at $18 million is a steal. You give Damanis Sabonis $217 million extension, and now you know you've locked down your center for the future. You've made him happy. You've kept him comfortable. And speaking of keeping him comfortable, you do a deal with the Indiana Pacers to bring his homie in, Chris Duarte, one of the guys who shot, I think, 40% on catch-and-shoot threes from Damanis Sabonis. That is a ton of stability. That is a ton of... Of respect for your star player. On top of that, there are people who are saying, Well, you didn't need to pay Sabonis that much money. You didn't you would not even it like get get out of here. This is Sacramento. Don't you understand how small markets are? You must overpay your superstars. That's how it is. Then on top of that, the big free agent signing. Sasha Vizenkov, he signs a three-year, twenty million dollar deal to bring him over from Europe where he was the reigning EuroLeague MVP, the reigning European player of the year this past season, 18-7-2, 40% from three. That Doesn't that make your whistle wet? Pause. 6-9 forward, pause. Nice. He's only 28. He's in the prime of his career. Adds depth to a team that could use it. They also... Like I said, get Harrison Barnes back, Trey Lyles back, Alex Len comes back, gives them depth at the center position. They move Rashawn Holmes so that they can do the deal for Sabonis, which I like as well. I like the draft picks that they've had. This has just been very exciting. Very exciting, very intriguing, and I think Monty McNair's not done. I think there's even more to do. You just have to stay tuned. He's the GM of the year for a reason. Up next is the Memphis Grizzlies. I think they also did a tremendous job. It's not easy when you've got issues in the clubhouse to try to make moves, but they bring in Marcus Smart first and foremost before free agency even really begins in the trade, which is to bring veteran leadership and tough, gritty persona to really be the big dog, big OG to Ja Morant. They signed Desmond Bain to a five-year $207 million extension, which I absolutely like. If you don't like Desmond Bain, you don't know hoops. I do not care about his negative wingspan. He is a very tough defender. He shoots from he shoots well from three, pull-ups. He can do a little bit of everything. He can slash, he can rebound. He's a pretty good playmaker, and he's the backbone. He's a very, very good culture guy. They also add another veteran voice in the locker room in Derrick Rose. Uh, Derrick Rose is not... The player that he once was even after the surgery, but he can still give you 10 to 15 minutes of decent play. He's a good presence for the team that has lacked leadership. Rose returning home is a great story. A good symmetry for him. I think it's a very underrated signing during the free agency period. And they also add Josh Christopher in a deal that was part of the chucker brigade that was in h-town i like josh christopher coming off the bench he's a buck getter and he's also a friend of john Morant's. but the team that i think made wine out of water really like what more like wine out of urine is the phoenix suns i did not know how it was gonna be possible for them to fill this roster out but they did this is a team that had absolutely no wiggle room. It was just vet minimum after vet minimum. And so I was like, who, who are you really going to get, though? What, what are you going to do? Okay. And what did they do? They put their hard hats on, and they got to work. Matt Ishbia put the team over the second apron with only six guys under contract, and they needed to figure it out. How do we pull the rabbit out of our hat? And James Jones absolutely found a way. They add Utah Watanabe, Chemezi Metu, Keita Bates-Diop, Drew Eubanks, and Eric fucking Gordon. Four of those five guys, tall as hell, have upsides, aren't pricey, all can shoot and space the floor. Eric Gordon is a three-point sniper. I love the fact that they did this. Utah Watanabe would have gotten so much more money if he didn't love playing with Kevin Durant. He is 6'8", versatile wing. He led the league last year in three-point percentage and effective field goal percentage. KD loves him. He loves KD. He can play defense on and off the ball. He can rebound. He can do all the little things that you want out of a player. He's a good-ass dude. People love him. He comes to the team on a vet min. On a vet min. Do you think anyone, Utah Watanabe included, comes to Portland on a vet min for Damian Lillard? No. The answer is no. No. Speaking of the Blazers, Drew Eubanks dips out. I think he saw the plane crash coming. He ended up getting his little parachute and flying to Phoenix. 6'10", another undervalued player. Legit backup center. He can start center if needed. He can score. He can rebound. He's very fucking tough. Very gritty. He can shoot for a, for a center. He can shoot 38% from three. He's an intense dude. He's going to bring fire to the team. He's going to show up every day. Maybe he'll muscle DeAndre Ayton a little bit in practice. He was on multiple 10 days and got a legit spot on the rotation for the Blazers. Even Eric Gordon is a great veteran to lead the second unit. He's going to probably get some closing minutes in the playoffs. He's going to be the guy that can get you a bunch of threes in the corner. That's what he does. He's Big Shot Bob. He's Big Shot Gordon. That's him. I don't even know why they did it, but they did it.